welcome to Telling the Tale. I'm your host, Mitchell Wolf, and I'm here today with Dustin Jackson. Hey, Dustin, what's Hello. up? Hello. Hello. I'm doing, I'm doing great. That's not what you asked. Uh, nothing's up other than doing great. Oh, okay. That is, that is how true. Are, how are you I asked, doing you today? Silly Dickens. I'm doing all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just ate some Carl's Jr. burgers. So we're off to a good start. I guess. You were playing... <laughs> <laughs> Um, what, what have you been playing besides Telltale games lately? So, um, today, this morning, I was playing Sea of Thieves with our good friends over at DK Vine, um, and that was a blasty blast. Other than that, I've been kind of, I've been juggling a couple games. I've been debating, because I started replaying Ukulele, but then... Uh, they started showing off some Psychonauts 2 stuff that made me want to play Psychonauts. And look, I, I like ukulele, but I love Psychonauts. So I'm kind of debating dropping Yuka and just replaying Psychonauts. But we'll see. We'll see how that goes. What have you been playing, Mitch? Yeah, I think I think it would say nothing low of ukulele to do that, considering that the sequel's coming out. You want to be up to date. You want to be like having a fresh version of the memory in your head, you know? Yeah, exactly. You get it. Yeah, there's no such sequel to Ukulele coming out like right now. Maybe in a little while. Um, but what what have I been I've been playing King K Roller for the Nintendo Xbox. <laughs> and um, what and also King K Roller 2. <laughs> uh, King K Rule is of course the bad guy from Nintendo exclusive series Donkey Kong. But <laughs> Uh, there's a game called King K. Roller that seems to have been made in about a week in Unity. And <laughs> it's just on the Xbox Store. That's hard to do. You can't just be on the Xbox Store. I've tried. And my game is, like, not King K. Roller. It, <laughs> That's I, true. <laughs> I'm not even using an unlicensed copyrighted character from a rival company <laughs> and, and they still like it's it's hard to do so i have no idea how it got on there i have a feeling that it's someone who works at the xbox um like qa department someone so, who can just get it on there without any questions asked it's the guy whose job it would be to check the games <laughs> so he's like i'll just let this one slip on in there yeah there's maybe there's like four people with his job and he's like mm, i'll take uh like i'll take all these today so like he puts his own game in his own pile and... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about today dustin believe it or not we're here to talk about episode three of sam and max save the world the mole the mob and The Meatball, originally released in January 25th, 2007. We're making the jump into 2007 from 2006. That's a big jump. That's an important little jump. <laughs> it's a new era. Yeah. Uh, this episode was written and directed by Brian, uh, Brendan Q. Ferguson, Dave Grossman, and Jeff Lester uh, with... Additional writing and directing credits from uh, Steve Purcell, as per usual, which is exactly the same lineup that we had from episode two, but not from episode one, because episode one didn't have Jeff Lester. Um, 
high level, what did you think of this episode? Um, I'll be honest, I not my favorite. Probably, if I were to rank every Sam and Max episode ever, it would probably be at the bottom. The bottom, like the the number one, I guess number Z bottom. Yeah, number last. Number last. Which it which isn't to say it's like awful. I still, it still has some great lines. It's still like the same formula of gameplay, but I don't know. It, there's just less to enjoy here, I think. I, I feel I'm on the other uh, side of the fence yet again, Dustin. Our interest. I like that we kind of flip flop from last week. Our polite little rivalry is uh, is really helping out the interestingness <laughs> of this podcast. Yeah, we each bring something new to the table. <laughs> uh. I I still think that it, like episode two, and we talked about this a little bit last week, how I didn't love episode two because it felt like it was just sort of there. Um, it, it was shorter, and I don't have anything against shortness. I just didn't think that it was long enough to sort of do something interesting with the story or gameplay systems. Mm-hmm. And I felt that this episode was a bit different in that I I got some of that without having to actually get as long as the first episode again. Mm. I still think the first episode is better than this one too. Um, So of the three episodes so far, you would kind of put this one in the middle. I would put this one in the middle, but I, I still like... I I didn't really like last episode, and I still liked mm-hmm. this episode. So it's still above the, I guess, cutoff of whether I think it's a good Sam and Max episode or not. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I guess my opinion comes down to, like, even though it's probably my least favorite Sam and Max episode, I still enjoyed it enough. Yeah, Sam and Max is just good. So to say that... For me to say that, like, episode two was one of my least favorites is, like, well, of the episodic point-and-click adventure games that Telltale has made so many of, and other companies started to make some after Telltale did, um, even the worst Sam and Max episode is probably still, like, all right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think we'll we'll get into the plot of it in just a second, but there were moments in this episode, like going into teddy bears hang on i have the full name written down here somewhere i want to make sure i get it right (laughs) teddy bears mafia free playland and casino um there's just no (laughs) mafia in it uh going into it and seeing the like casino darkened poker room lighting and the cinematic sweeps that they would do through that little area um, that was way cooler than pretty much anything there was in the WARP studio in episode two. It it definitely made me feel like this got a bigger share of the attention from Skunk Ape in the remaster. And I will be honest here, I didn't have time this week to go back and play the original and compare it to what happened in the remaster. So I'm mostly just going off the remaster. Um, oh, I didn't know that's what you were doing. Maybe you said it and I forgot, but that's cool. That's a cool little thing you're doing over there. Yeah, you know, I I, I brought it up a little bit in, in the the first episode, um, but I didn't really find anything to talk about in the second episode, so I just 
didn't. I guess I just kind of forgot that that's what you were doing. That's a cool little thing. Look at you. Oh, thank you. Dustin, you're such a little compliment guy today. Oh, stop. You're my little compliment goblin. Hey, and I'm gobbling I get up that these compliments. From time. Um, <laughs> Woo! <laughs> what is this show? Um, we, we got a good thing going on, you and I. But the, the mafia-free Playland and Casino is hugely different with the lighting in this episode. I'll I'll need to go back and compare. I I don't doubt it. It feels different. It's beautiful. Like there's there's like strong blue and green spotlights going on that uh just make it look so much more seedy and like a like a run down broken Chuck E. Cheese kind of. <laughs> um, <laughs> like a Chuck E. Cheese you would go to for like a little bit of cocaine. That's that's where you would go to for your just cocaine. A, just a bit. Just a, yeah, I mean like you're not a fiend. You're just sort of Getting a little snowy with it. Yeah, you know, you're at Chuck E. Cheese. You want to, you know, you want to have a good time. You want to have fun. The Telling the Tale podcast endorses neither going to Chuck E. Cheese as an adult or the use of cocaine. Okay, so let's get into the plot of the episode. The commissioner calls Sam and Max. And I guess using the intel that Sam and Max got in the end of the last episode has decided that the hypnosis plot goes back to those dolls that the toy mafia th- those bear dolls that the toy mafia was selling that myra from the tv show got so now we gotta go to teddy bears mafia free playland and casino to see where the whole thing's going down with these bear dolls i i'm saying bear dolls rather than teddy bears and um <laughs> There's no reason for that. That's like a weird thing to do. Um, yeah, but I, I feel like it's it's fine. <laughs> People will get it, I would assume. So I, I had a question for you, Dustin. Um, Lay it on me. The plot of this episode sort of instructs you to go straight from the office, where you always start in the office, to the casino. I never do that. I always <laughs> stay on the street first. And I see what Sybil's up to, and I see what Bosco's up to before I go anywhere. Is that what you do, or did you go to the casino? No, that's 100% what I do. I always like seeing what what little gimmicks they got going on this week. Do you want to talk about Bosco? Uh, sure, I would love to talk about Bosco. Uh, Bosco runs Bosco's Inconvenience. No, I mean but more specifically. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> No, but this week, uh, his new disguise, his clever little disguise, is uh, he's French this week. He is. Uh, he goes by Jean-Francois Vanderpipe, uh, which I love as a name because he sort of, he starts strong with Jean-Francois and then he doesn't have Vanderpipe. I don't know. It's probably Whatever. French. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's sort of a new age anarchist type um and he's selling a miniature listening device for the cost of 10 million dollars and i love a miniature listening de- device because that's like a cassette recorder you know <laughs> like that's that's just anything could be a miniature of a small microphone you could pay like 10 dollars for a cassette recorder probably on ebay yeah as opposed to a gigantic listening device 
Yeah, which you might have to pay $11 for on eBay. Probably. Um So so do you what what do you think about his whole French thing is that At this point even just on episode 3 I'm a little bit numb to the Bosco disguises. Kind of yeah, you basically know what it's going to amount yeah. to Bosco's in disguise, he's doing a, a little voice. Um, yeah, I mean, I still like seeing what it's going to be, but at the same time, it's like, I get it. I get what to expect. It It is kind of just the same thing every time. It's you're he has some little get up going on and he has a device for you that you need to pay a lot of money for. Yeah. So last episode, he did the British thing. And this episode, he did the French thing and two accents in we're already done with all of the world accents that it isn't racist to do (laughs) those are the two of them (laughs) Um, so i guess we'll see what happens next episode i don't remember what happens next episode in terms of bosco so um i'm i'm excited to see that uh so his his miniature listening device you'll only have money for this later so we're jumping ahead a little bit but it's a bug um, it's just a little, like, beetle, like an earwig. Do you call them earwigs, or do you call them, uh, like, pincer bugs? What I you... call them earwigs. You call them earwigs? But pin- pincer bug sounds more fun. I think earwigs sounds more fun. <laughs> it's like an ear, but it's also a wig. Yeah, you can put it on your head or in it. Um, <laughs> so this bug will just hang out somewhere and record something. And then it'll uh, it'll it'll tell you what it heard with perfect mimicry. It also fought That's... in Vietnam. <laughs> this is an old bug. Yeah, this bug says that it fought in Vietnam, which even in 2007 was still like 40 years ago. Uh, so yeah, this is a very old bug. He's a big boy. He's been around the block a couple times. What do you think of bug? I think it's great. I think it's a fun uh, little item. Partially because you can use it on, like, anyone. Like, not just for its intended purpose. You can listen to things anyone's saying. Like, you know, they won't really have any bearing on the puzzle. But it's still fun. It's still a fun way to get uh, new dialogue. And it sticks around. It It's like one of the few inventory items that stick with Sam and Max through at least a couple more episodes. That is true. Uh, it's a lot of the... Well, I was going to say a lot of the Bosco stuff doesn't stick around very long, but that's not actually true because the, uh, the tear gas grenade launcher from the first episode was very effective in the second episode as well. And uh, that stuff kept being relevant. I, I really like that. That's some of my favorite stuff that Telltale is able to do with these episodes. Um, it, it's just like an an intense form of sequel cohesion. Uh, I, I know a lot of sequels will, you know, take up right from the end of the first thing. But in this sort of style of episodic games, you get a, a sense of continuity that you really don't get too many other places. Just a, a real very connected sort of sequel thing um you'll get that in like chapters of other games within itself but these are months apart so they might even like look like they're coming out on different technology and stuff which is cool Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and they'll yeah, it's, it's real neat. So Sybil would be the other one. Um, Sybil's new job is my favorite. Like, I love her. This. Her favorite job of hers? Yeah, it's, it's the best. She's a professional trial witness. Uh, <laughs> and it's great when she can say her job. And like, I laughed at the name of the job without it even being in a joke yet. It's just, that's, that's a funny job. <laughs> that's a real good yeah. job. Um, and and sh- <laughs> Sam asks her if, uh, if she's actually seen the crime that's being committed. And Sybil's like, I don't remember exactly what she said. I didn't write it down, but she says something like, I will. I mean, it, <laughs> it, I'll get around <laughs> to it. <laughs> uh, and at one point, Sam and Max criticize her um, lack of legitimacy with, with her career choices. And she says, do you have a problem with that, Mr. Freelance Police? Which makes me realize that Sam and Max have been doing the Sybil thing way harder than Sybil has. Like, the idea of them being freelance police is way more of a jump than most of what Sybil's actually done at this point. That's very true. Um, I will give them a leg up on Sybil in that they stick with it. That is true. Which, I don't know if it's better or worse to stick with, stick with like, not <laughs> a real thing. That's true. Um... <laughs> <laughs> one one thing I like about this job is, correct me if I'm wrong, Mitch, I don't think this really comes into play in any puzzle. No, it does. I, I just, uh, oh. it, it does a little bit. But normally in the way that it does is like, she'll say, it, it is different this time, because she'll normally say like, I'm a professional trial witness. And then later you'll have a trial. Uh, mm-hmm. where she needs to actually do that job. But in this case, it's just the fear that she might do it. The mob gets antsy about her. I guess that's true. I, I didn't, I guess I just didn't think about how it is just done in a different kind of way, in a way you're not expecting. Yeah, it's it's definitely the least important. <laughs> yeah, her her doing her job is not part of the puzzle, but her having the job is part of a puzzle. Yeah, it, it, it's the least important that we've seen from Sybil so far. And as the series progresses, we'll see Sybil and Bosco kind of progressively go down in importance compared to the external bigger factor going on. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't really like that, but we'll get into that when we get to it. No, tell me now. What don't you like about it? I, I just like Sybil and Bosco. And, I, you know, I get that they don't have to be at the forefront the whole time. Yeah. But, you know, I like them. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't really think it's so big of a thing because sometimes you'll have like, well, this is just not a Sybil episode, but next one is. And then in that one, Bosco's not very important. So, like, they, they, they do come back in waves of importance, but there is a, a general dr- downward trend with yeah. how much they're affecting the story. The the only time it's really a big noticeable thing is season 3. Uh before we head over to the casino just a couple fun facts I've noticed um I I didn't do this in the past two episodes but maybe it was there too. If you just go to the window in the office, uh Sam will say hello 
And then some random guy outside the window goes, jerk! And (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Because he said hello to him. Yeah, like, you really threw me off my morning game, man. I was going to just not hear hello. (laughs) The way to go. Way to go. (laughs) Um, Also, in a conversation with Bosco, Max mentions that there is a 24-hour Midtown Cowboys channel. Where do I sign up? Yeah, which means that's 42 episodes a day. <laughs> that's a lot of Midtown Cowboys. And they only made one episode. So the same episode <laughs> streams. Well, well, I hate to correct you, Mitch. Oh, okay. No, I want to be corrected here. What's up? But in but in episode 2, I think they had already had Midtown Cowboys episodes. They but the stars were trapped watching Myra, which is why they had to hold auditions for new stars. Wait, wait, wait. I, I hate to correct you, Dustin, Dustarino, <gasps> Dustox. <gasps> but they were the casted stars. They had not done it yet. Interesting. See, I always thought this was just a show that had been going for a long time. This, I, I thought, was the pilot. Oh, see, I, I thought we were making a pilot for Midtown Cowboys. I did they ever clarify either way? Maybe we're maybe neither of us <laughs> have all the details. That's that's true. Um, the thousands of listeners of our show will inevitably DM me on Twitter to tell me that they know the answer to this. Was Midtown Cowboys a pre-existing show prior to Sam and Max's visit to the Warp Studio? Uh, that's the question. Wow. That's that's a little homework for you, listener. If you want to show, post that in the comments. Yeah, if you're like the real listeners of the show, you'll send a DM, and uh, that's <laughs> how I'll know for sure no one listens. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you want to you want to go to the casino? Let's go to the c- casino. Why don't we down to Teddy Ebear's Mafia Free uh, Playland and Casino? Um. So they go to the casino. The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, they do. We got yeah, where everyone has uh, teddy bear masks or mascot head helmets, right? On, and there's even three on the wall that sing you a little song. I like I like that each episode. Well, most episodes have a little song to go with them. That's a neat, nice little treat. Yeah. Um... So episode one at this, so up to this point, episode one had More Than Jerks, the Soda Poppers old TV show's theme song. Then episode two. uh, Episode two had Midtown Cowboys. Yeah, it had Midtown. I was was thinking that, but I was like, well, that only has one line. Yeah, but it's still a song. Yeah. They're probably hiding a cow. (laughs) And then episode three has uh, you and me and Teddy Bear, which is I that's my favorite one so far. I love that song. (laughs) It's great. I used to listen to it all the time. Yeah, it has a line in that song that goes, J. Edgar Hoover always insists organized crime just doesn't exist. (laughs) I I love that. He always insists. He always insists. Uh, mobs and mafias, not in our midst. It's you and me and Teddy you Bear. And Teddy Bear. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, what, what a wonderful little moment we just had singing to each other. 
Um, I have a note here saying that the entry cutscene when coming into Teddy Bears is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like really good cinematography. It, it does the pan over the uh, the bears' faces. It it shows the poker table. It shows some of the arcade games. It shows the the door to the back. And it does it in a way that that feels like you're really entering a mob movie. Uh, that kind of stuff will definitely increase as time goes on. But up to this point, I don't think we've seen very much camera work in the game. Uh, so that stuff's cool. And again, this might be a remaster exclusive thing. So maybe, maybe that's not how it originally was. I'll have to watch. I'll have to compare... Uh... That's interesting. You brought that up earlier, how much you like that scene. I guess I just wasn't really paying attention to it because I'm like, wow, that sounds incredible. How did I, how do I not remember that? So, <laughs> well, maybe I guess I'll make that my homework after it, the show. The alternative truth is that it's just not very important or good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. I liked it. Um, we've got Leonard Steak Charmer playing Texas Hold'em on the poker table. and fans of telltale at this point who've played all of their stuff will recognize this character as boris crinkle from uh, telltale texas hold'em i think that's awesome like it's not even that uh boris crinkle is that cool or good but it's very cool that uh they can make a joke out of using a model from another game it's, yeah. it's just this neat little thing. It, it kind of connects them like you can it, it's a mystery whether or not he's just boris in disguise wearing a fake mustache both of the previous episodes also had references to telltale texas hold'em dustin fact check do you know what they are no oh, okay. <laughs> i never played telltale texas hold'em <laughs> I, w- I watched videos of it back in the day so i i knew that this was I, I got the joke here, but I haven't actually played it or got any of the other references. So in episode two, that's kind of the bigger one uh, where in on the Midtown Cowboys set, if you walk over to the left, you can see the poker table uh, or the tabletop oh. sort of leaning against the wall. And if you talk to the director at that point, she'll say, yeah, this used to be a like a poker place. And then we took over and made a set here. So that yeah, that's that's awesome. Like, you know me, I'm a big fan of uh, the rare games and what they do. And one of the big reasons is little Easter eggs like that just throughout their games. I just love stuff like that. Just little references to past games here and there. It's neat. It's fun. I like poker table here. Yeah. Telltale, um, by the time they went out of business, had made three poker games, three separate poker games. And I would argue that all three of them are solidly within the universe of Sam and Max. Um, yeah. They three ha- poker games is a lot. I can't, I couldn't even make one poker game. Dude, I've never made a poker game and I've tried so hard. That's not true. <laughs> I've not tried yet. Um, but if I did try, I bet I wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably say, yeah, never mind. Yeah, those those later poker games have characters from like a bunch of different Telltale series and things that are not related to Telltale at all. But even then, it feels to me more like those other characters are just cameoing in Sam and Max's world for those poker games. 
uh, I think the soundtrack helps because Jared Emerson Do- Johnson does those games soundtrack uh, soundtracks in the style of the Sam and Max games. Yeah, I could buy that. Anyway, oh the the Telltale Texas Hold'em cameo in the first episode almost forgot was when you watch TV or or uh, yeah the, when you're watching the TV. When you're watching Myra's show at the very end of the first episode, when it's the the tease for the second episode, the mm-hmm. character being hypnotized by Myra, I believe, is also an old Telltale Texas Hold'em character model. Interesting. I may be wrong about that, but also I may <laughs> not be wrong about that. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's fifty fifty on whether or not you just made that up. Mm-hmm. If you make up anything, it's 50% chance to be correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so uh, what, do you, what do you think about the casino at this point? Uh, I like it. Like you said, it looks nice. Uh, it's cool. It definitely gets across the, uh, the mystery factor. Everyone wearing these big uh, teddy bear heads. You're like, there's something a little off about this place. Something, something kind of strange going on. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you talk to Leonard, he invites you to play a game of Indian uh, Indian poker with him, which is neither poker nor Indian, I would wager. Um, that's that's true. Although it might be Indian, but it's definitely not poker. <laughs> um, <laughs> he puts a card on his forehead and he instructs you to do the same. And you look at the card on his forehead and you'll see how high it is going from two to ace. And you're just supposed to say whether you think you have the higher card than your opponent. Um, The thing is, he's cheating by looking at his own card on his own head in a reflection of a very shiny clown nose on the wall. You know how they do. Casinos are always having clowns on the wall. (laughs) Um, So you can solve this problem, this unbeatable poker game thing, by putting an ace you like you just have an ace of spades card in your inventory you, you, yeah you get it from the office right uh you can put that on the clown nose he'll think that it's his card even though he really only has a four and he'll bet it all on that and then you have a uh, a 10 on your forehead so you win that's how you get the 10 million dollars to get the bug from bosco uh then you can use the bug to hear the password that people are using to get in the back room. Then you can use that password mm. to get in the back room. And as soon as you do it, um, Chuckles, a toy mafia bouncer, bodyguard thing. <laughs> I don't know what his job is. Um, but, but he's definitely there. He's definitely there, and he's definitely in the mafia. Uh, he says, I saw you get into the back room. Congrats! That's what we're looking for in our mafiosos. Now you're now you're one of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you just like walked through the door, and there's no way out. You are definitely in the mafia now. Um, <laughs> and you have three things to do for your initiation into the mafia. You gotta lean on someone, and that that means persuade them to do business with you. I did not know that term, lean. That uh, the gang gang's yeah, terminology. It, I I, <laughs> I don't use I don't use it very often. No, I I, I don't think I do either. <laughs> um, I'm just I'm just more into that California surf technology. You can 
you can tell by my voice that I'm all for the cowabungas and the You sound marbles. like someone who's you sound like someone who says dude every now and then. Dude, I dude. And he just did it. <laughs> twice. <laughs> so you gotta lean on someone, you have to uh wax someone, which does mean kill, and I did know that one. That one I knew. And you have to uh find something. It turns out that the thing you gotta lean on is Bosco so that he stalks their uh, teddy bears, which have the mind control device in them from last episode. You have to whack Sybil because she's gonna be a witness at some point, and that just can't be good for the mafia. And you... she she sure picked a bad time to become yeah. a trial witness, <laughs> a, a real snoozer of a of a she... time for it. <laughs> She was she was so into it at first, and now she's regretting ever deciding to become one. And Don Teddy Bear's first meatball sub from the 70s has gone missing. And that's just a problem. It has a lot of sentimental value for the mafia. So you need to find that sandwich and bring it back to Teddy Bear. So those are the three things you do. Um... It's pretty easy to get the uh, the the teddy bears in Bosco's store. All you have to do is distract him while you mess around with his security camera. Mm-hmm. Um, all you need to do to kill Sybil is to make it look like you killed Sybil. Because if you actually try to aim the gun at Sybil, which I did just because I, I knew I was not actually going to kill Sybil. This isn't The Walking Dead. <laughs> um, Sam just says, I don't think I could bring myself to actually do it. So you got to take her coffee cup and fill it up with ketchup at Bosco's, which is the second ketchup-based puzzle back-to-back, by the way. They get a lot of mileage out of that ketchup. Yeah, there's a... (laughs) I wonder if there was feedback on the first episode that came out of a bunch of people saying, how do you use the ketchup? I I didn't use the ketchup the whole time. Is it really just there for no reason? I have to be able to use the ketchup. And then so the next two episodes that they had both had significant use of the ketchup. That's so funny because like there's nothing that would tell you that you need to use the ketchup for anything. Yeah. But I'm right there. I also thought, well, there's the condiments here. Obviously, they're going to be used for something. And no, they're just not. But there's nothing like to hint that you would have to. Yeah, and they're just there, but it just feels <laughs> so like something that you would use. And there's tons of things like that in the game that we've seen so far that we've not used at all, uh, like Sybil's tiki's or cactuses, or a bunch of like little things in Bosco's store, the magazines. But still, it's the ketchup that makes me think like, oh, I'm definitely got to use that ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> while while we're while Sybil's office is brought up, can I just say I love. Sybil's office, especially in the remaster, the lighting in the office is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just cool looking. Like even in the original, I thought it was a cool office, but in the remaster, oh, it's awesome. I like just hanging out in there and hoping Sybil doesn't mind. <laughs> That's how I'm usually am around women. <laughs> uh... <laughs> you don't mind if I just hang yeah, out here please... in your office, do you? Oh man, I hope you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's just cool. Uh... <laughs> Uh, so if you put the ketchup in the coffee cup and then you shoot the coffee cup 
Sybil faints and the ketchup goes everywhere and it looks like she's covered in blood, which helps the mafia who are apparently watching via a camera in Sybil's store. Um, it makes them believe that you did it. Um, yeah, then Max just eats the the camera so they can't see Sybil uh, being alive afterwards. I was going to say, and for the sandwich, you just find it. But that's not true. There's like a whole thing with the sandwich. There is a whole thing with the sandwich. Explain the with whole thing friend with the Leonard. sandwich. So uh, you go back to your office and you find Mr. Leonard himself uh, talking to your friend uh, Jimmy Two Teeth. Um, and you, he, well, he has a gun. He's, he pulls a gun on you and he's like, don't, don't come any closer. That's, that's not <laughs> Leonard's voice. No, that's not. That, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I, I don't know why I decided to make him sound like grandma, but, uh, so he has a pistol, but it turns out it's a fake pistol from, uh, is it just a fake pistol he had, or is it specifically from the uh, the game at the casino? The one-armed bandit? Uh, yeah. It might be, but I, I think just the point is it's, it's, a, it's a cap yeah, gun. It, it has, yeah. It's got the orange tip on it, so you know it's not a real gun. Yeah. So they tie up Leonard, um, and you need to make him talk. He needs to spill the grease. He needs to... to uh, really sing where he's uh where the sandwich is that's some good um, that's some good gangster lingo hey you know i pick up a few things here and there <laughs> you just gotta be um, in the environment you, you soak it in <laughs> yeah i'm kind of a pro at mafia-ing uh <laughs> um <laughs> but so they tie up leonard and you had you figure out that his weakness is his mother. You he does not like when you speak ill of his uh mommy. Yeah, she so, is dead. Yeah, she <laughs> she is passed on. She is dead and deceased. Yeah, it so she, he has a very intimate relationship with his past mother, and Sam and Max <laughs> are extremely mother. excited about that. <laughs> They're yeah. <laughs> They're going to jump on that if they can get it. They know how to exploit it. So so now we yeah. go into Joe Mama jokes. But there's them. a twist. There's a twist. Sam has to do the setup and Max has to do the follow through. So again, it's it's not really good cop, bad cop, because here they're both kind of bad cop, but it's still working together with both of them to make a line that makes sense. Yeah, this is such a LucasArts adventure holdover the way this feels uh sam only remembers the first parts and uh max only remembers the punchlines and that's a very funny concept even of itself yeah <laughs> they would only remember the halves of the jokes especially on sam's side <laughs> yeah he remembers the your your mama's so lethargic yeah and that's it <laughs> so like the funny part to him was just the the base insult yeah your mom I, I is like so that. lethargic period <laughs> it's it's not even something you have to remember it's something you can just say but he, the, he remembers them um when you were in middle school did you ever get into yo mama jokes no they've always been stupid but i like what how they do them here i there was a time 
when when I was in like middle school, where my my particular group of friends, we we decided, you know what, we're gonna get good at this. <laughs> you had you had a Joe Mama phase. But we yeah we had a Yo Mama phrase. I remember my friend Zach and Raymond, uh, and Jacob. Uh, you you know the crew. Yeah, yeah. Who could forget? <laughs> who could forget the middle school crew? Um, <laughs> we <laughs> we we had just given each other so many Yo Mama jokes that sometimes a new person would come into the group and they would try that shit with us, and we were like. They would say one of the old ones, like, yo mama's so fat, she tried to play pool with the planets. And we would just look at him and we'd say, like, are you kidding me with that <laughs> freshman level bullshit? Are you serious? You're going to come to us with that? And we would you, just... you take one look at each other with your lids lowered and just yeah. give a smirk like, hmm, this guy. Yeah, we would really talk. We would really talk down to them unless they could play on our level with the Yo Mama jokes. Um, <laughs> and then one one time, someone did a Yo Mama joke to someone that we didn't know. And the person just responded, uh, actually, she's not that. She's actually just the opposite. <laughs> and then we were like, oh, man. Ah, uh, he got us. He figured out the flaw. This really destroys the one thing holding us in common. And then we didn't really <laughs> hang out in high school. <laughs> oh, that's that's a sad story. But I guess I guess it is like a like a hero overcoming the villain. Yeah, I think at that age, friendship is so much more about the specific things you are into than the way you are. Yeah, <laughs> like if if you find someone who likes Pokemon as much as you on the playground, that's just the person you hang out with. Now it doesn't matter if they're an asshole; that's just who you hang out with. Uh, well, they're they're a huge experience. asshole, but they're a huge asshole. But at least they like Pokemon. So how mad can I be with them? Yeah, I remember a lot of things that I'm not going to bring up on this podcast because. Well, that's just wildly off topic. Anyway, you joined the <laughs> mafia. Uh, uh, well, hold yeah. on, hold on, hold on. We skipped it. We so Leonard, uh, he's had enough with these uh, yo mama jokes, and he tells you that the sandwich is hidden in the uh, slot machine, the uh, one armed bandit uh, slot machine, but the arm is gone. Uh, he gives you the arm. He had the arm the whole time. Um, and so now you get the sandwich from the slot machine because you can play the slot machine and you get the sandwich. And now they've joined the mafia. Yeah, and they leave Leonard tied up in their office. <laughs> uh, which which will come into play in future episodes. And I, I which will... is very funny. That's one of my favorite things. Yeah, because like they, <laughs> I guess what they're trying to say there is that they hate what Leonard's done so much that it's like not worth keeping him around anymore. Or or maybe it's <laughs> so worth keeping him around. And either of those are just silly. Like he hasn't done much. <laughs> he really hasn't. Yeah, he, he took a sandwich. He's been annoying, but he hasn't been much of a hindrance or anything. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> other people in this world have done far worse to Sam and Max. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> water <laughs> under the bridge. Um, 
So they go back with all three initiation tests being done. They're now part of the mafia. So the reason they were in the casino is because the commissioner said there was a mole that he sent in there. But they stopped responding at a certain point. So we're lurking for the mole. Yeah, you have to rescue the mole. Yeah, uh, but it turns out that Don Teddy Bear himself, when he takes off his mask to welcome you into the mafia, he shows off that uh, he is the mole. As in literally a humanoid mole, which I, it, it's tempting to forget that Sam and Max are animals, uh, <laughs> because most of the NPCs in the game besides them are human. Um, but the mole is a mole. Don Teddy Bear is a mole. Uh, yeah, <laughs> moles show up every now and then in Sam and Max stuff. Like, uh, they were they were probably in the comics, uh, probably in ones I've missed and haven't read yet, but. Um, you know, there's a mole man in Hit the Road. Yeah. There's mole men in the cartoon, and then there's mm-hmm. hairy mole man here. Yeah, it is. Um, hairy mole man definitely not the same one as in Hit the Road. Yeah, I don't think so. They they act. Is he also called Hairy Mole Man in the original? It's no, been a long I, time I don't, since I don't I... think so. I don't remember their names in Hit the Road, but um, I didn't think they were. I was just trying to make sure. Um, but yeah, yeah there, there are a, a lot a of whole guy. mole people, underground inhabitants in the world of Sam and Max. Um, yeah. And that that's just a fun thing. But anyway, yeah. uh, they have a catchphrase that they use to see if the person responding is the mole. So Sam and Max say, does the carpet match the drapes? To, to the <laughs> dawn. And then the Don says, the the uh, code phrase, oh no, apparently they still haven't realized that I've switched sides. And then Sam says, he's right, we still haven't realized that. <laughs> uh, so it turns out the reason the mole stopped responding is because he became the Don of the Mafia and he was like, eh, I kind of like this situation better. Uh, so now it's all about sort of fighting him. So he takes you in the back factory room. And he hypnotizes you both. But the thing is that Sam built an anti-hypnosis helmet into his hat. So he can't be hypnotized. And Max just never could be because he seems to not have a normally functioning brain. And Yeah, he he said it's either that or it's all of the uh, Q-tips he shoved in his ears. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's probably a, a combination of those. Uh, um. <laughs> And basically, you can use the hypnosis teddy bears on Don Teddy Bear, uh, Harry S. Molman, to hypnotize him into thinking that he's on fire, which will bring him over to the fire extinguisher, which will put him in range of this vacuum, which sucks him up into the gully works of the factory. And because he's just a big, fat kind of guy, uh, he doesn't fit through it. And then the factory explodes from the pressure of a bunch of teddy bears uh, Mitch, being made. I'm going to stop you right there real fast. Okay. I love, th- I love that you used the word gully works. Oh, yeah. Um, you can have it. That's, that's, not a, that's not a word I hear very often. I've heard it before, but never like outside of a TV show once. You know, I, and... I did flag it as I was saying it. And I was like, yeah, I'm proud of this. 
<laughs> Folded your arms and nodded. Yeah, now we're now we're a podcast. Not far from the truth of how I actually felt when I said it. Yep. <laughs> Real podcasts say gully works. That's the new hashtag we're going to get trending. I'm going to try to use it more often now in in my everyday life. And everyone listening should too. Yeah, it's one of my favorite words for things. Uh, another is a uh, scrouty row when things are just like a little sort of rough. They're scrouty row. Um, you got a lot of fun words today. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I came up with a funny name earlier. <laughs> oh, what was it? It was Hogshoe Pepper Step. Oh, uh, right. I remember that. Yeah, I told you about it. <laughs> I was so excited about having come up with a funny name that I told you that the name was Hogshoe Pepperstep. Um, (laughs) I don't know what kind of person that is or why it would be important, but that's that's just sort of how I'm feeling about it. Um, That's so good. So the episode ends. You know what? You get a star today. <laughs> we're never gonna finish this episode. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> we're we're at the tail end. We're almost there. Uh, <laughs> Harry Molman uh, clogs the factory. Too much pressure builds up. The factory explodes, and seems good. Uh, Sam and Max sort of retroactively decide that that's what they were trying to do the whole time, which is not the case. <laughs> they were trying to find and rescue <laughs> the mole. Uh, And then they took it upon themselves to explode the casino uh, for seemingly important reasons. So then they walk away and then Chuckles, the mafioso who welcomed you into the mafia originally, he comes out, he removes his big helmet, and then he says, this is Secret Agent Chuckles. Yeah, we're going to have to move on to plan B after the factory goes down. And that is probably the weakest tease for the next episode so far because they don't even say anything about like what that would be what plan b would be there's there's no hints at what the next episode could possibly be yeah we know i kind of i kind of like that though i like that it's like oh what's plan b oh there's a there's a big mystery what's coming up next well there's definitely the promise of mystery there but in the past, we've had things like the Myra show specifically is doing something weird. And then mm-hmm. the Toy Mafia specifically is doing something weird. So, like, we've had a little bit of a a nugget to think about for the next episode. This one's Chuckle, Chuckles is doing something weird. Yeah, but, like, who even is Chuckles, you know? <laughs> who even cares about this Chuckles? Um, I, we remember, because we've played the rest of the game, that Chuckles actually is an important person later on. Um, but for now, it's just like, he's just a, a mafia guy. Why would why would this be important? Um, mm-hmm. But that is, that is just a small criticism. Generally, really liked this episode. And then in the credits, the full version of the teddy bear song plays. So that's good, too. Yeah, you know... Talking about it kind of makes me remember that it's th- there's some really good lines in this one. I I still, you know, I don't know. Now I'm kind of thinking where I would put it. I'm not sure if I like it more or less than episode two. Hmm. 
Because mm-hmm. episode two, I personally think is pretty memorable with all the different uh, stage sets and stuff. This one, I feel like not so much. It feels a little, uh, I guess, maybe a little generic, but um, there are a lot of good lines in it. It does. Yeah, I I would going into this podcast, thinking about Sam and Max episode one. I remember thinking, okay, I remember the first episode feels like a pilot in, in that mm-hmm. it's a little bit disjointed. And then episodes two and three feel like sort of smaller than average, um, like like actually very short episodes on the way to something bigger. And then yeah. episodes four, five, and six really ramp up the mystery, like the central thing that ties the season together. Uh, and they get a little bit bigger, and they get a little bit more intensive. Um, yeah, I think the next three episodes are all really good. All really good ones. And that that uh, memory of how it went is basically how I'm feeling right now still. Um, I will say, though, that... So much of like how interesting I feel the episode is, is... It's coming down to how much I care about solving the the case. So I remembered the mob episode as just being like, oh, this is... I mean, it literally is dealing with the mafia, which is just like such a tropey detective thing to do. Um, I, so I think I that think that's... Interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's why it's not as interesting for me. It just kind of feels like your typical kind of case i guess and you know they do funny things with it they got the teddy bear heads they got a theme going but at the same time i just feel like you know episode two it's like oh this is the tv episode this episode we're going to be going on different tv sets and stuff and then this next one is just kind of a standard sam and max case yeah which which is fine i i think i just thought the central mystery regarding myra's show was weak and that i feel you it, it was it was lackluster, and it meant that the rest of the episode didn't have much to hang its hat on. Whereas the mole at the casino is like a little bit more interesting to me in terms of just something to think about. Like, who could this mole be? Why is this person a mole? Why would the mole stop responding? Um, yeah. As with all I, I get in Sam and Max, it just turns out that the answer is just kind of whatever. <laughs> but uh, it you are supposed to at least have it in your head so that when the result of doing the detective work turns out to be that the answer is just kind of whatever, it's a joke rather than just like, oh, well, I shouldn't have been thinking about that. I I get where you're coming from. Like how uh, the, with Myra, you knew what was going on right away. You knew who the end, quote unquote, end boss is yeah. of the stage. You you knew where it was headed. You knew it was Myra. Something was up with Myra. With this, it is kind of building up like you don't know who this... You don't know where the mole is. You don't know who the Don is. You don't know what's in that back room. I I can see where you're coming from. I get you. Um, so I still think the best episode of the season is episode one. Did you think two is better than one? No. I, I do think one is stronger than two. But... Okay. I, I did think two was interesting with what it was doing but yeah like even just the way you talked about it just now i am kind of rethinking which one i prefer out of two or three because like neither one are like my favorite sam and max episodes but i i do still enjoy playing them 
I enjoy experiencing them, hearing the funny lines. Um, they're kind of neck and neck for which one I think is better, because I do think, I agree with you that this one's mystery is better. But two, I feel like kind of maybe a little funnier to me, like maybe the premise of it was a little more interesting, a little funnier than Mafia stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, I could see that. Um, there's some individual lines in this episode that I ended up liking more. Um, but I think the premise of two is probably a little bit more thematically exciting. So I, I can definitely see that. Um, yeah. I think as we go through this podcast, episodes two and three of season one of Sam and Max are probably going to remain near the bottom of... I agree. Like the whole company stuff. Other mm-hmm. than like really small side things they do or, or things earlier than this that they did. Um, well, yeah, I mean, we'll I see. mean they, they... <laughs> you go ahead. I was just going to say, we'll see. Sorry. You go ahead. Oh, I was just, I was just going to say, um, now I don't remember what I was going to say, but that's okay. It must not have been very important. Well, we'll find out later in the shower. Um, that's, that's a, that's a mystery for you folks listening. Don't, don't you hate when like you go through a whole podcast and you think like, oh, that was all right. And then you take a shower and then you're like, oh, I didn't even say any important things at all. (laughs) Well, at least I made sure to bring up that old yeller joke last time. Yeah, I'm glad. Um, (laughs) so let's move on to our segments. Okay. First, we've got potent pickups, our favorite inventory items in this episode, Dustin. What is yours? I have a feeling our potent pickups are going to be the same. I think Maybe so they're too. not, but uh, the organic listening device. Yeah. Yeah, the bug. It's, it's just such a cool idea. I like its accent that it has. I like that he says, I am a bug. I am a bug. Yeah, I like that uh, he has memories of Vietnam where they were killing ladybugs and larvae. Um, I mean, I don't Larvae. like that, but I do like that he has <laughs> that, that he's, yeah, <laughs> I like that he's forced to remember it, yeah, I'm glad that he's fictional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad this is not a thing that exists in real life, yeah, um, there's just not a lot of other interesting pickup items in the episode. Everything not... else is sort of like a one and done, yeah, uh, but I think that's fine since this one is so good, like I said, you can just use it with anyone and. Even though, even if it doesn't have anything to do with the puzzle you're doing, that still gets you some uh, fun uh, lines, some fun ways to mess around with it. Yeah, I have a feeling that the bug is probably going to be a potent pickup of one of us in a later episode as well, um, just because it keeps coming back as a as an interesting uh, inventory item to use. Another one that I was thinking about maybe choosing, but it just really didn't stand up to the bug, was the Ace of Spades. You find it earlier in uh, Sam and Max's office, and then it, it's the one that you put on the clown nose to trick Leonard's steak charmer into thinking that he might win. Um, I, I think that puzzle is just kind of cool, and as a representative of that puzzle, the item is kind of cool. But it's, you really just use it the one time, so it, it wasn't. Yeah, I was. I was. I was going to say that earlier. I think that's a fun puzzle. Like even if there's not a whole lot to it, yeah, it. Just figuring it out, you're like, oh, that's a fun little thing they're doing. It, it's it's just fun. It's fun, Mitch. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, in the LucasArts days, the puzzles like that were really hard. Um, probably too hard because they were uh, 
just trying to use common sense, but it's like Ron Gilbert's common sense or Dave Grossman's common sense or Tim Schafer's common uh, sense. And in that way, uh, not that those people's common sense are weird, but just that's one person's like perspective on the world that will always be a little weird. Uh, it'll always right. be different than the players in some way or another. Um, so for them to sort of move away from using the idea of common sense as the ba- as like the baseboard for the puzzles and more into uh, providing in-game hints for what you should do, it makes the game a lot easier and it makes the puzzles feel probably a little less memorable. Um, but it means I will beat them every time. And it means that kids will beat them every time. And it makes the episode play out a little bit more like a sitcom you have to think through rather than an actual racking your brain challenge. for puzzles. Yeah. And I, I think I, I guess I'm fine with that. Like if I'm playing these games, I'm mostly playing them for like the story and the funny hahas. But, you know, it's fun to figure out these puzzles, but I don't need them to be like the hardest puzzles in the world just to get to the next uh, cutscene. Yeah, I was going to say that I imagine a lot of like gameplay purists would take any decrease to the challenge as a bad thing. I think in this case, it's a good thing because you want to sell the idea of like this recurring interactive TV show almost. Um and you can't have that be too hard. That said, um, some of the future Telltale games, I, I think uh, Tales of Monkey Island specifically, do get kind of hard. Uh, so we'll see how that goes and how that sort of uh, translates against what Sam and Max is doing. Also, I think oh, later man. Sam and Max gets a little harder as well. Um, yeah, I do like that. I think it's I think it's neat that even if these early seasons are not the hardest out there, they can kind of ramp up as they go later on. Yeah, and they also sort of scale with um, what the thing they're based on would imply the difficulty should be. Uh, yeah. So like when you do the Homestar Runner game, the, the, the Strong Bad game, uh, it's pretty easy because it's based on it what is effectively a children's cartoon. And Wallace and Gromit right. is also pretty easy. Back to the Future is pretty easy because those are things that are supposed to be. I mean, they're, they're things that you watch. They're, they're shows and movies. So fans of shows and movies won't necessarily be into the challenge of getting through a story in the same way. But then Monkey Island, um, The Walking Dead, those those audiences might be a little more hardcore. And for from that um well i mean walking dead is not particularly hard either but it does make you make difficult decisions so there is some aspect of difficulty in there yeah that's that's true i i like that i can't wait to get to all of those especially uh i this is going a little off topic of sam and max but i can't wait till we get to tales of monkey island that's probably my favorite telltale game yeah i'm excited i'm really excited about that i'm excited uh i think the ones i'm most excited about are tales Strong Bad, and uh, The Wolf Among Us. I'm I'm super excited to do Strong Bad because surprisingly I haven't played the Strong Bad games. I love Homestar Runner. I don't know why 
I've never gotten around to them, but I've only ever played the first episode, so I can't wait to play the rest. I'm so tempted to go a little bit out of order so we do Strong Bad sooner, because I I do really want to see you do that. Um, I don't think we will, because we got we got to go a little bit in order. A little bit. Got to have structure. So, there are rules. Stru- yeah, I'm going to pretend there are rules. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, but yeah, I, I love Strong Bad's cool game for attractive people. It is my favorite Telltale game. Uh, nice. Despite it not being what I think is the best Telltale game, uh, I think the best Telltale game is Sam and Max The Devil's Playhouse. But Strong Bad is like my personal favorite. I, I've always loved Homestar, and it's the reason I found Telltale in the beginning. That's interesting you say that. I'm I'm looking forward to replaying those too cuz like I've I've played the Sam and Max games but I guess I just never thought about like what makes a Telltale game the best Telltale game. Yeah, I've I've always thought we're getting off topic from our segments for sure. Uh but I've always thought <laughs> about the Sam and Max Telltale games as like season 1 and 2 of Sam and Max are very similar to each other and it's just sort of an escalation process from the first episode of the first season to the last episode of the second season and then the devil's playhouse really changes up the uh it's it's almost not season three um it's almost just a new thing because it changes up the gameplay style like you don't have a full inventory anymore you just have like a small array of tools that you use in every episode um Mm -hmm. but the way that it handles its story is probably I, I I think it's the the real best Telltale game, um, un- unless you're a person who's more into the Walking Dead style, than something right. else is. Probably Batman, from the way people are saying talking about it. That I, I again we we've talked about this in the first episode, but I I just don't have that much of an experience with the later Telltale games, but I've heard that the the crowd favorites are the uh the wolf among us and the batman games i would say those plus walking dead season one. Oh, after, yeah, after of, that of it kind of goes off the rails yeah um i have you played any of the wolf among us i haven't i started to at one point but i just didn't get far uh so I I can't really say what my opinion is on it other than it looks super nice. It's like a gorgeous game. Yeah, I've I have not played it either at all. Um and I, I'm excited to see it because out of all of the premises for the later Telltale games, that's the one that just based on like the, the brief description of it that I know about it, uh it seems like the one I would be into the most. But we'll see. We'll see when we get to it. And that's the one that's getting uh, the sequel soon, if that ever comes out. So Hey, that's true. That'll be cool. Our second segment. That was one segment, by the way. We were just talking about inventory items. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Our second segment is, of course, crowd favorite, linguistic gymnastics, where we talk about our favorite dialogue lines from the episode. Dustin, what are yours? Um, well, I had one specific one in mind, but you already said it during the episode. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, I have, I have other lines written down that I can say. Uh, yeah, the one you said was, uh, apparently they haven't figured out that I've switched sides. (laughs) He's right, Max. We still haven't realized that. Yeah, that's, that's one of mine too. It it really is. (laughs) That's probably the best line in the episode. It's, It's pretty good. Yeah, but I have a few others, uh. 
One of them is when they're, they answer the phone from the commissioner. Sam says it was the commissioner. Max says, did he get the notes I sent him? And Sam says, yeah, but he said to stop carving them in the suspects. He can't read them without his bifocals. <laughs> That's good. Just, just, the, just the use of bifocals sold me on the line. Um, another one is uh, when they're done tormenting Leonard with the Yo Mama jokes. And Sam says, let's go, Max. Leonard and his dead mother need some alone time right now. (laughs) He had to specify dead mother. Yeah. (laughs) I I also have that one written down. (laughs) Oh, oh, I I think my second favorite is um, it's a running gag from Sam and Max. Just everything. Every I think a lot of Sam and Max things have this joke how Sam does not like being called McGruff, like McGruff the crime hound. So, uh, uh, Leonard said, uh, well, they're, Sam's trying to learn how to play, uh, Indian poker. So, uh, he, you know, explains the rules back to him. And Leonard says, pretty sharp McGruff. And Sam just says, don't call me that. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you can see the anger on his face. He doesn't sound angry, but you can see the anger inside. And those are probably my favorite lines, Mitch. Why don't you lay your favorite linguistic gymnastics on me? Uh, well, I definitely also had the... He's right. We still haven't realized Oh, that. wait, 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 wait. I have one more. Oh, okay. I have one more. I'm it. sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm so sorry. It, 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 was, it was right at the end. Um... Sam says, maybe the commissioner will take us out for a pungent meal at Squirrel Garden when we when he hears about how we cracked the case. And I like I just like the word pungent. Yeah, yeah, that's like it's like by it's like bifocals. Just a single word makes the line for me. Yeah, you can have like. A really good pungent meal after a long day of work, (laughs) (laughs) a pungent meal. Um, Okay, now you go. You go with your line. Okay, I'll do mine. Uh. Again, definitely the uh, we still haven't realized that line. Um, when you ask Bosco to, uh, or when you say bye, Bosco, after you're done talking to him, uh, he goes, "I know not of this Bosco of which you speak, but if I see him, I'll bid him a reservoir," uh, which is <laughs> pretty good. That's not the word for that. Uh, is the joke there? We have. <laughs> Uh, when when someone says uh, that the Don's doing business in the back, in the back, uh, Sam says, "What kind of business?" And then the mafioso says, "The kind of business that says like it's got quote marks around it, so you know not to ask." I like that one. <laughs> um, when <laughs> Snake Charmer uh, gets Sam to play Indian poker with him, Sam goes, "So how does one play poker of the Indian persuasion?" uh let's see Uh, oh i have the (laughs) leonard and his dead mother needs some time alone right now again (laughs) that one they just have to rub it in let's see um oh and when they're talking to sybil after Mm. sybil finds out that she might be uh in danger she's all stressed out and she says stress can reduce you to a bundle of reflexes and then max says is that what happened to me? And Sam says, wouldn't it be wonderful to think so? <laughs> I think that like sort of speaks to their relationship. That's a good one. Um, also, not exactly a line, but when you're doing the Yo Mama jokes at Snake Charmer, 
you finally see the back of Max's chair. And on the back of Max's chair, it has just a cartoon picture of a girl's face. And it says, I'm a duty. (laughs) And that's that's just what it says. uh, I guess the girl either is named I'm a duty or it's just her talking about herself like, I'm a little stinker. Something like that. I'm a duty. Um, Yeah, that's I'm pretty sure. No, I've got one more. I'm sorry. One more line is uh, when you're talking with uh, the, the mole at the end of the episode when he's threatening you, he's, he mm. holds the gun to your face and the teddy bear. And he says, stand back. I know how to use both of these. And then Sam says, I'll be honest. We're probably more worried about the gun. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Man, this episode had a lot of lines for you. I think that's the most lines you've had so far. Yeah, I just I just liked the episode. I laughed. I laughed a lot. Well, you you're you made me kind of see it in a different light and consider things I hadn't considered before in this discussion. In the end, isn't that all that matters? No. Yeah, you're right. Where can people find you, Dustin? <laughs> they can find me if they look hard enough on Twitter at uh, amazing DJ Dustin. Where I'll post some words here and there, maybe a picture now and then. You will. I like the pictures that you post. Oh, stop. Yeah, you've done that really good one of Jerry from Tom and Jerry. You've done a lot of good ones. <laughs> did I Did I post that one? No. I don't think I posted that one. <laughs> no, I don't think you should. Uh... <laughs> okay, that'll be, left, that'll be a good mystery for the listeners. Yeah, the listeners can just imagine it. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on... T- <laughs> you can find me on Twitter... <laughs> Uh, at the wolf fm that's at t-h-e-w-o-l-f-e-f-m please join us please subscribe to the feed uh rate us review us where you can do any of that stuff it all helps out uh, and stay in tune in tune stay tuned yeah stay tuned <laughs> for the next episode of the podcast where we will cover sam and max save the world episode four what is it called dustin Save the... <laughs> what is episode four called? Episode four is called Abe Lincoln Must Die. See you later. Oh, Reservoir. F-I-A, oh, baby. Welcome, welcome, generous friends. Days and weeks and tokens to spend. We're just regular businessmen. Just you and me and Teddy Bear.